What's up, what's up, fans of the beautiful game? Welcome to episode 23 of the DKB Footy Show. I am your host, David Ballet, and I am excited to be back again to discuss what was another exciting week of football action. We had the Champions League. We obviously had the league matches, had the Copa Libertadores final, which I would like to start off with. And we also had um, a lot of, controversy off the field as usual and a lot of interesting stories in the tabloids but yeah without further ado let's start off with the Copa Libertadores before I get to the Champions League so the long-awaited Copa Libertadores final finally got played over the weekend over the last weekend remember this match was between River Place and Boca Juniors the first leg was held at the Boca um, Junior's Stadium in Buenos Aires. The second leg was supposed to take place a week after. After the first leg ended 2-2, it was all to play for. But then fan violence and just a lack of organization basically ensured that the match had to be postponed to a, late, a later date. So it was postponed and the venue had to be moved, obviously, because River Plate's like they showed that they couldn't handle hosting that match so it had to be postponed and it had the venue had to be moved to the Santiago Bernabeu in Madrid and yeah so moved it to the Bernabeu and the match was played over the weekend and River Plate came up with the win 3-1 victory over Boca Juniors and they lifted the first ever Copa Libertadores final, I believe, played on foreign soil or in Europe at least. And also they won the first ever fine um final derby between the two of them, between the two eternal rivals. And this match was very exciting. It had everything. It had red cards, it had a lot of goals, it had a crazy ass atmosphere. The intensity, the passion was there, everything. The crowd was amazing. I had my doubts as to if both team, both sets of teams' fans could fill up the Santiago Bernabeu, but they actually had no issue doing that. I didn't see any empty seats during this match. And yeah, so the first half was not as, nearly as exciting as the second half, but the first half was um, only had one goal, where Dario Benedetto opened the scoring for River for Boca Juniors in the forty fourth minute, and the yeah the first half ended that way. The second half came in, and Lucas Prato got the equalizer in the sixty seventh minute. It was a very well worked goal. They got the equalizer, and River Plate. They created a few more chances in that second half, but. There were no more goals scored in 90 minutes. And so the match had to be moved into extra time. Extra time came. And unfortunately, just in the second minute of extra time, the defensive midfielder for Boca Juniors, Wilmer Barrios, got a second yellow card. After just collecting the, f- he collected the first yellow card in the 87th minutes of regular time. He got the second yellow in the 92nd minute. And yeah, his team was down to 10 men. They had to also play for in the 30 minutes, in the remaining minutes of extra time. 
and they couldn't hold on. River Plate made the one-man advantage count and they got the 2-1 winning goal from Juan Fernando Quintero in the 109th minute. And from there, obviously, Boca Juniors just tried to pile on the pressure. Last minute corner kick set piece. The goalkeeper came out and they Boca Juniors took the set piece. A river plate defender headed it out and luckily the ball landed in the feet of another river player and they passed the ball, got the counter-attack and Gonzalo Nicolas Martinez had an empty goal to slot into to make it 3-1 and to hand River Plate the Copa Libertadores final. So congratulations to River Plate. But I must say I feel kind of bad for Boca Juniors because I believe that in all fairness, River Plate should have been made to forfeit the 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 match the second leg because they failed to control their fans and they were not able to host the second leg. But as a neutral, I can definitely understand why the match had to be replayed because, I mean, this is a historic match. It's between the two biggest rivals. Some say the biggest rivalry in world football. It's also the last two-legged final for the Copa Libertadores. So it would have really been a shame if it had ended in a forfeit. So I'm glad to see that it was replayed. But I'm sad for Boca because they lost. Yeah, they could have done better, but unfortunately for them. But congratulations to River Plates. They are the Copa Libertadores champions. So now over to the Champions League, which was just concluded. This was just concluded yesterday. The round of um, the um, group stage matchups have been concluded. That was match day six. So I will start off with the standout results from this from the last matches of the group stage. So Liverpool won, Napoli nil. Liverpool secured their place in second place in the group and qualifying for the round of 16 as they defeated Napoli 1-0 at Anfield. It was thanks to a Mohamed Salah goal in the 34th minute, a very well-taken strike. I mean, the amount of the, the footwork he had to put in, the, the dribbles, the way he turned away from Koulibaly, arguably the best centre-back in, in the world, or at least the best of the upcoming centre-backs. And the cool right-footed finish at the near post, I think it was even between Ospina's legs into the goal. And it was well-deserved because Liverpool had been pressing Napoli from the get-go. I think Napoli had a few chances for like maybe a good counter-attack, but they fluffed their lines and Liverpool were rightly ahead. And I know this game ended 1-0, but that was definitely not an accurate reflection of how the game actually went because Liverpool dominated this match. Napoli really didn't create any clear-cut chances. The match could have easily been 3 or 4-0 if not for the fact that Mane didn't have his shooting boots on. Mane missed so many chances as he has been doing this season in all honesty. I think he's starting to really be the weak, weak link in my opinion in this front three. And he should be careful because Shakiri is there. He Shakiri could definitely take his place because the chances Mane missed were ridiculous. We're talking clear-cut chances. Some are open net and he missed them all. 
Very, very disappointing for him. And also, Liverpool could have actually rued those missed chances, if not for the fact that Alisson pulled a last-ditch save from basically a a very close-range shot from Arkadish Milik. The, a lot of people say it was a, an ex- excellent save by Alisson and that this is what a world-class keeper gets you. But in my opinion, I think it was actually a very simple save that any proper goalkeeper should have made because I think the, I think the blame should actually be on Milik's foot because Milik could have just basically either picked an angle or decided to dribble past the keeper because Alisson had already committed to making the save. If he had done any of those, he would have gotten the goal. But instead, what does he do? He shoots it directly in, like into the body of Alisson. And Alisson made the save. So, yeah, I mean, Alisson is a great keeper. Don't get me wrong. He has definitely improved Liverpool's defense since he came in. He's arguably been the signing of the season in the Premier League this year. But like let's not get a let's get a hold of ourselves i mean that it was it was a decent save but any keeper should have saved it i don't like how everybody's saying oh alison is the best keeper in the world or this and that no milik deserves all the blame for not scoring that but liverpool got the win and well deserved so they finished level on points with napoli but because of their superior goal difference they go through so Liverpool went through, and in the other match in that group, it was PSG 4, Red Star Belgrade 1. So PSG also secured their place in the round of 16 and effectively won the group by defeating Red Star 4 goals to 1. It was goals from Cavani in the 10th minute, Neymar, Marquinhos, and Mbappe in stoppage time that secured the win for PSG. And the other standout match from this um group of fixtures was Barcelona 1, Tottenham Hotspur 1. Tottenham Hotspur also clinched their place in the round of 16, courtesy of that 1-1 draw against Barcelona. It was a very well-contested match. I had said last week that they should have just been praying that Messi would be rested because of the fact that Barcelona had already won the group. And he was. It was basically a second string team that was fielded for Barcelona against Spurs. The likes of Munir was striking. Um yeah, Messi didn't play, Busquets didn't play, and Spurs took advantage of that. It didn't look like they were going to be able to though because they conceded the first goal in the first half very early in the seventh in the seventh minute and it was scored by Usman Dembele and a ridiculous goal he he's the one who basically got possession in the in the uh, like uh, along the halfway line he stole the ball from a spurs defender i can't remember who but he's he stole the ball he went on a almost like a 40 yard run basically sprinted up he cut past Vertonghen, I believe, who tried to come in with a slide, and he expertly finished it. This guy is just quality. That was definitely the standout goal of the week. He got that goal despite all the off-field issues he's had. Also, reports of him like showing up two hours late for training, two whole hours. 
I mean, this guy is just class. He's just, um, I don't want to use class because you don't do that as a football player and be called class. But he's has so much quality and potential and he showed it in this match as he has shown throughout this season. And yeah, it looked like Spurs were going to be knocked out. But they came they came back strong in the second half. They created a lot of chances in the second half. They were the better team. And finally, they got the breakthrough in the 85th minutes, courtesy of Lucas Mora from a hurricane assist. He made it 1-1. And the match ended that way. And yeah, Spurs made it through. And they only made it through because Inter Milan fucked up at home and were not able to defeat PSV. The match ended 1-1 against PSV. They actually conceded first in the 13th minutes from um, Herving Lozano. And it took up, up until the 73rd minutes, courtesy of a, a Mario Icardi header, for the game to be drawn level. But they failed to get the winning goal and they were knocked out. So, yeah, Spurs can count themselves very lucky that Inter Milan were not able to get this win. But overall, I would say, like, based on the performances of each team in this group from throughout the whole group stage, I would say Spurs and Barcelona were definitely the best two teams in the group on performances, not just because they had the better players. I mean, Spurs should have beaten Inter Milan at the San Siro. They should have defeated PSV in the, in the Netherlands as well. They lost the game against Inter and they drew the one away from home against PSV. And Inter Milan as well. I mean, Inter Milan were very fortunate to defeat Spurs. As I just said, they didn't deserve that win. And they're not really that great a team, to be honest. So I'm glad to see that Spurs qualified because they are the better team. Yeah. So next, we had Monaco nil, Borussia Dortmund 2. Borussia Dortmund won that group because Atletico Madrid... Um, failed to score away from home against Club Bruges. Their match ended 0-0. And Borussia Dortmund beat Monaco 2-0 from uh, Rafael Guerrero double. And, yeah, they won the group because they had the... They, I mean, they basically, yeah, they won it on points, I believe. So, so yeah, good for them. And uh, one of the shocking results was Real Madrid losing three goals to nil at the Bernabeu against CSKA Moscow. This 3-0 win, a 3-0 loss for Madrid, is the biggest home loss they've had in Champions League history and the first um, loss in the group stage at home that they've had in nine years. The goals came from F. Chalov in the 37th minutes, from Shanikov in the 43rd minutes, and Sigurdsson, not the... Obviously not the popular Sigurdsson we know, but he scored in the 73rd minute. And Madrid, yeah, they look dire. They're, they're really, really bad, man. It seems like Santiago Solari has not really been able to give them the kick up the backside that people were hoping for. And despite the loss, I mean, they have qualified top of the group. But still, you don't lose 3-0 at home against CSKA in Moscow if you're Real Madrid. If you're the three-time, like if you've won... The last three consecutive Champions League titles, you just don't do that. And they did. So it was quite disappointing for them. And deservedly so, they got booed by their home crowd. The Madrid home crowd never, ever 
hesitate to show the team that they are not impressed with the performances and they definitely showed it this time. So yeah, in the other um, game of the group as well, AS Roma lost 2-1 against Victoria Pilsen as well, which was disappointing for them. I mean, even if they had won, they would have just been level no points with Madrid, but they um, had already lost the head-to-head, so it wouldn't have mattered. But still, just for the sake of bragging rights, you don't lose to Victoria Pilsen. That was disappointing for them as well. And then the most entertaining match by far, I think, overall in this last round of games was Ajax 3, Bayern Munich 3. This match, both teams had it all to play for. It was a battle for top spots in their group. If Ajax had won the match, they would have topped the group. Bayern just needed to avoid defeat and they got that. But this game had everything as well. It had goals, it had red cards as well. And it was just crazy. It was um, Robert Lewandowski who opened the scoring for Bayern Munich in the 13th minute. And then in the second half, Dusan Tadic got the equalizer in the 61st first minute. And then in the 82nd, sorry, after that, um, Waba, who is an Ajax player, got sent off for a very ridiculous rash challenge against Leon Goretzka in the 67th minute. And then less than 10 minutes after that, Thomas Muller got a, a red card for a really high boot to the back of the head of an Ajax player in the 75th minute. So both teams had red cards and it was basically 10 against 10. Then in the 82nd minute, Ajax were awarded a penalty, which Tadic dispatched dispatched off quite expertly. And it seemed like Ajax were going to top the group. And it seemed like Bayern Munich were going to, once again, be exposed after this really, really disappointing season that they've had so far. But it wasn't to be because just five minutes later, Bayern Munich got a penalty of their own and it was dispatched once again by Lewandowski. And then in the 90th minute, Kingsley Coman sealed the group for Bayern Munich with a goal. But then five minutes later, Tagliafico, the Argentinian, got a goal in the 95th minute. It actually looked like it was a um, solar own goal, but I think the goal was awarded to Tagliafico. But it wasn't enough. It was too late. Too little, too late for Ajax. And the match ended 3-3. A thoroughly entertaining match. And Bayern Munich won that group. And then another shocking result was Young Boys defeating Juventus two goals to one. We all know um, Juventus had to win this match if they wanted to like um, unarguably secure top spot top spot in the group not needing to depend on the result of united and they lost this match it was very surprising i i don't know if this is young boys first ever champions league match but this is definitely the high, highest profile win that i'm sure they've ever had they yeah they defeated juve two goals to one with um it was a double from the player called Hurao, and Real Madrid. Sorry, Juventus created a lot of opportunities. Ronaldo, I can't count how many chances he missed in this match. Dybala got one back for them in the 80th minute, and then it seemed like Dybala had once again gotten the equalizer with an absolute scorcher from the edge of the box. It was a screamer, man! It was a crazy ass goal. 
but it was disallowed because Ronaldo tried to jump and head the ball from an offside position. Even though he didn't make any contact with the ball, obviously he was interfering with the play from an offside, offside, offside position. Ugh, excuse me. And because of that, they failed to get the win. They failed to get the draw even. They lost the match. So disappointing for Juventus. But they still won the group because Manchester United also lost at the Mestalla against Valencia, two goals to one. It was a very disappointing um, performance once again from United. Shambolic performance. I mean, um, who who is it? Um, United fielded a much-changed eleven. A lot of fringe players played. Fringe players like Paul Pogba. <laughs> Paul Pogba has become a, an outcast for Mourinho. For Paul Pogba started. Lukaku also started, who seems to be another fringe player these days. Rojo started at left back. Um, Phil Jones, who had a classic Phil Jones performance, scoring an own goal in the 47th minute after Soler had made it 1 0 for Valencia in the 17th minute. And it was deserved. United deserved to be losing 2-0 in this match because they really didn't create any chances. It took up until the 87th minute for a goal from Marcus Rashford from a header to make it 2-1. And Juan Mata missed a very excellent pass from Pogba to make it 2-2. But they, yeah, he didn't get the he didn't make the right contact with the ball. And the match ended 2-1 in favor of Valencia. And it was a deserved result for United because, let's be honest, Valencia is not a great team. They are basically just hovering above the relegation zone in La Liga. They've drawn, I think, what is it, 10 matches already this season. And, they're, yeah, they're not a great team by any stretch of the imagination. But just leave it to United to make any team that they come against look like world beaters. They did that once again in this match. And yeah, seriously, United have a lot of issues. Lukaku had such a poor game. Pogba had such a poor game. Um, recently, I read that Lukaku has said that he has had to reduce weight, reduce muscle mass, basically, because he put on too much muscle because of the World Cup, because he wanted to perform well for the World Cup. But that muscle mass hasn't really helped him this season. So he said that Mourinho told him to can't try and lose weight. And Paul Pogba, Pogba, I don't know. Yeah, he he is not really doing himself any favors. I mean, if to ask me who I support in this, in this rivalry that he seems to have with Mourinho, I definitely would support Pogba. I think most logical fans would support Pogba. But at the same time, Pogba needs to step up. He needs to do a lot more than he's doing now. He's been very, very disappointing. And uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's not really a shock that United are having these results because they don't deserve to win any matches that they play. They, they don't have an identity. The players always look like they don't know each other. Players don't know their roles in the team. And it's it's just it's just such a toxic atmosphere in united it's so bad a lot a lot of pundits have been suggesting that it might be time for both Mourinho and pogba to leave the team so that the club has a fresh start and increasingly it's looking 
like a more and more valid argument. I mean, I will never argue against Mourinho getting sacked. I've been saying he deserves to for a long time now. But for Pogba to leave, I'm starting to see why he should as well because he seems to have this attitude where like he feels like he's bigger than the club. He feels like the club should be should be happy for his presence and he hasn't achieved anything. He won the World Cup, fair enough, but he wasn't the standout performer in that France team. He was just an individual in a very good group. And in my opinion, a lot of people say that he played very well in the World Cup. I really don't see that. I really don't remember any performance where I was like, wow, like Pogba has really shown his form that he showed in Juventus. I never saw that during the World Cup. And also, it seems like this United team is just too bank average to have such a world-class midfielder because it's it seems like he is actually performing to the detriment of the club because United don't have any good players around him. Uh, when a world-class midfielder doesn't have other world-class players around them, they actually make that club look worse. They make the team look worse because the team cannot play to their strengths. And so... And, um, yeah, the, the team cannot play to their strengths. So because of this, it's like he, the world-class players like Pogba, he just looks like a passenger in the team. He just looks like a luxury player that the team cannot afford to have, basically. And I I see that a lot. I mean, I can't count how many matches that he's played where he's lost the ball. He loses the ball in a very dangerous position. And he doesn't even track back. He just jogs back. And he, he has cost us a lot of goals this season. Also, a lot of times where he he doesn't track back, he doesn't uh, make tackles, he just stays in attack. And he, yeah, he, he I don't know. I, th- I think he, honestly, I don't want to say he was, has to go because I'm a huge fan of Pogba. I like Pogba a lot. I think he can be one of the best midfielders, not of his generation but of all time he has that potential to be one of the greatest midfielders that the game has ever seen i mean no i've never seen a midfielder that has like such a mix of strength of intelligence of the ball on the ball of passing ability dribbling ability skills like paul pogba has very very few midfielders in the history have had these qualities to the degree that this guy has but I don't know if he's ever going to be able to fulfill that potential in United. But I think that's enough about United. So Manchester City defeated Hoffenheim two goals to one. They needed at least a draw, I think, to secure top spot because Lyon had a head-to-head advantage over them. So if Lyon had gotten a win and City had lost, they would have been second in the group. So they got the win. They actually conceded the first goal from a, an Andre Kramaric penalty in the 16th minute. But Leroy Sané got the equaliser in the in stoppage time of the first half through an exquisite free kick, very well-taken free kick, powerful free kick from, from very far out. Keeper had no chance. And then he got the winning goal in the 61st minute through a beautifully worked counter-attack. And then lastly, Shakhtar Donetsk won, Lyon won in that same group. So Lyon, Shakhtar also had a chance of qualifying if they had defeated Lyon, but they didn't. And and yeah, so Lyon got the, got the draw, though despite the fact that they conceded the first goal. And 
they have qualified for the next round. So um, it seems though that the knockout phase is going to be very, very tough for the English teams apart from Manchester City because we had Liverpool, um, Liverpool, Spurs and United all finishing second and they've all got potentially very, very tough fixtures in the second round, in the knockout phase because, um, just give me one second, I will basically do a rundown of the potential opponents that the three English teams have to face, but it's definitely going to be tough for them because all of the best teams in Europe all won their groups. And I think United are going to be the most disappointed because we had all expected Juventus to defeat Young Boys and they didn't. They lost to Young Boys. So if United had actually maybe fielded their best team, who knows what could have been the results. But United are going to be yeah, definitely left to, to rule their opportunities that they missed in terms of fielding a, a good lineup. But first of all, let me just give a rundown of the of the group. So Group A, Borussia Dortmund won that group with 13. Atletico Madrid as well with 13 points. Level on points, Dortmund have the superior goal, superior head-to-head. Barcelona won Group B, Spurs second with eight points. Inter Milan go to the Europa League. Club Bruges go to the Europa League from Group A. Then Group C. PSG won the group with 11 points, Liverpool with 9, Napoli with 9, but they're out, they go to the Europa League. FC Porto won Group D with 16 points, Schalke with 11, Galatasaray with 4 points, they go to the Europa League. Bayern Munich won the group, Group E with 14, Ajax are through with 12 points, Benfica goes to the Europa League. Manchester City won Group F with 13 points, Lyon with 8 points, and Shakhtar with 6. Shakhtar are on, away, on their way to the Europa League. Group G, Real Madrid won the group with 12 points, Roma 9, and Victoria Pilsen 7 points go to the Europa League. And then Juventus won their, the Group H with 12 points, Man United with 10, and Valencia on 8 points go to the Europa League. And um, and also, so yeah, let's talk about the potential teams that Liverpool, City, Liverpool, Spurs, and United could potentially face. So they could either face Borussia Dortmund, they could face um, Barcelona, except for Spurs. Spurs cannot face Barcelona because they're in the same group, but Liverpool and United could face Barcelona. They um United and Spurs could face PSG. Liverpool won't because they're in the same group. They could face FC Porto, who I'm sure all of those teams will be begging the heavens to get in the when the draw is done. They could all face Bayern Munich. Um, Bayern Munich are definitely always a tough opponent, but this season, if there was any season where they would feel most optimistic about beating Bayern Munich, it would be it would be now. But I mean, it's still a couple months until the until the knockout round. So anything could happen. Bayern could have a turnaround in performances, and they they could be unrecognizable from the Bayern that we've seen over the past few weeks. So I don't think any of those teams would want to face Bayern either. And then they could face Real Madrid. 
yeah, all three could face Real Madrid, and then Liverpool or Spurs could be pitted against Juventus. So it's definitely not going to be easy for Liverpool, Spurs, or United. Manchester City, though, they top the group, and basically the only really tough teams that they could be put against are Atletico Madrid, and that's yeah maybe Roma as well and that's about it just let's go on Roma the other teams are very very beatable for City so I'm going to be excited to see how the when the when the draw is done it's going to be very interesting to see who plays against who so that's about it for the Champions League and now we're going to head over to the fixtures for the domestic leagues this weekend and in the Premier League, the standout fixture from there is going to be Liverpool versus Manchester United. Surprisingly enough, Jurgen Klopp has actually not defeated United since taking over at Liverpool. But if there's any season where he's going to be very motivated to do so, considering the fact that United are in such a poor position, considering the rivalry between the two teams, and considering the fact that Liverpool are top of the league and look like they are going to be able to go the distance with City. They are going to be up for this match. I mean, if you thought the atmosphere against Napoli was something, then wait until you see the atmosphere against United. I don't really see United getting anything out of this. We all know what United are going to do. Their game plan is going to be to park the bus. Paul Pogba is probably going to be benched once again for this match. And... Good luck to United because Liverpool are going to be fired up for this match. Mohamed Salah is fresh off of a hat-trick against Bournemouth last week. They expertly defeated Bournemouth four goals to nil. It seemed like it was going to be a tricky fixture for them, but they had no problems dispatching of them. And he's going to be looking to increase his goal tally once again. He also scored in midweek and he's on form. I don't know why people have been saying Salah is is a one season wonder please give me a break this guy i don't i don't think he's going to score 32 goals again in one season but if he's able to even score 20 goals i think that's more than enough for him to prove that he's not a one season wonder and he's definitely well on his way to even score way more than that here he's already on 10 goals level with um level with obamayang top of the goal scoring charts and there's no reason why he won't be able to increase the tally but they're going to be coming up against a dogged defense in united it's going to be interesting to see who Mourinho plays in this match so stay tuned for that next we've got manchester city versus everton let's see if manchester city can bounce back from their first loss of the season they are now in second place because they lost 2-0 to chelsea it was a masterclass from Maurizio Sarri and a disappointing loss for City. I don't think City played well at all in this match. In the first half, they conceded from, yes, from the first shot that they had conceded throughout the match, but they didn't, they actually struggled to create any like really, really clear cut chances. They had half chances where maybe if they had their number nine, Aguero playing in the match they probably would have maybe gotten a goal or would have played better overall because as good as Sterling has been this season I don't think Sterling is 
quite ready to play that false nine position. So if anything, it showed that City's weakness, if you can call it that, this season might be if Aguero is not playing and Jesus is out of form as he's been throughout this season, then maybe their attack is not as fluid and as potent as it usually is. But we'll see if they can bounce back from that loss. Everton will probably be a tricky fixture for them because Everton have been quite good this season. Uh, but the game is being played at the Etihad Stadium and I expect City to get all three points and bounce back and get back into winning ways. We'll see how that goes. Then Tottenham Hotspur versus Burnley. Spurs should be on a high after qualifying for the, for the round of 16 in the Champions League. Last week, they rested the likes of Harry Kane and Christian Eriksen, and they still got the job done against Leicester City away from home, winning two goals to nil, courtesy of um, goals from Human Son. He had an absolute screamer, and Dele Ali. He, um, Son actually assisted the goal for Dele Ali also. Son has just been incredible this season, man. He's he's just going from strength to strength, and I I don't really want to be... I don't want to like say like if this guy has a ceiling to his potential or not. I think this guy can actually be a lot better. He can still grow more and more as a football player and yeah, he's excellent. So Spurs against Burnley. Burnley are shipping goals for fun. They are in the relegation battle this season, definitely. And Spurs should be looking at an easy three points here. Then we've got Brighton versus Chelsea. Chelsea are definitely also going to be on a high because they defeated Manchester City two goals to nil in a match where where nobody really saw that coming. Mertesari showed that there is more to his game that he can. He's actually um, tactically flexible. He's able to to understand that his opposition to understand the strengths of his opposition and tailor his tactics to to nullifying those strengths. So in the match against City, he was more than happy to cede possession to City because you're never ever going to out-possess City if you're Chelsea. Only maybe a Barcelona can get away with that, but Chelsea definitely are not at that level yet. He understand, he respected his opponent, and he got the job done. I must say it was a masterclass from, from Mauricio Sarri because... Manchester City just did not look like the fluid attacking force that they usually are. Yes, they controlled possession, but in terms of scoring chances, once that first goal came in from Ungolo Kante in the first half, Manchester City looked stunned and they did not recover from that. And I give Chelsea a lot of props for that win. The likes of Aspilicueta really stepped up their game for that match. And also, um, also, um, the likes of David Luiz also getting the winning goal, and also Eden Hazard playing as a false nine. That was also interesting to see. I don't know if he's going to keep doing that because he definitely doesn't have any informed number nine. Giroud tries his best, but Giroud is definitely not the player Chelsea need, and Morata is just done he uh, yeah the the quick the quicker they get rid of him the better for chelsea because yeah marita is he's never going to be the number nine the world class number nine that chelsea wants so it's going to be interesting to see if he keeps on playing with this system 
Remember in Napoli, that was the same system he had where he deployed Mertens as a false nine and played Lorenzo Insigne on the left wing and Callejon on the right. So we'll see if he can replicate that with Chelsea. It's going to be interesting to see if he does that against Brighton. Then lastly, from the standard fixtures of the Premier League, it's Southampton versus Arsenal. Arsenal are now 20, is it 21 games unbeaten? Absolutely amazing run of form for Unai Emery and his guys. They defeated Huddersfield narrowly one goal to nil last week, courtesy of an overhead kick from Lucas Torreira, who seems like he seems to be the player Arsenal have been looking for for years and years. This guy is such a great player. Aside from that, they've just got all this attacking power. And the fact that they have this ability to basically step up their game in the second half of every match they play in is also something to behold. They are still yet to be leading at halftime this season. But their second half form, if with second half form like that, who needs a first half, man? These guys have been playing quite well. And they go away to Southampton, who are also in the relegation battle and i'm sure arsenal are going to be looking to get an easy three points then la liga we've got levante versus barcelona barcelona are back at the top of the league courtesy of a 4-0 defeat of espanol last week they had two free kick goals from Lionel messi messi just put on a show as he does a lot, but just sometimes you, you can forget really how good this guy is. In terms of his free kicks, I think over the last three seasons, he has really been training his free kicks. He has really been training, and his accuracy in free kicks, the amount of goals he scores from free kicks is ridiculous. I saw a stat where I believe he scored 19 free kicks in the last three or four seasons, and that's basically more than all the top teams in Europe have scored combined in free kicks we're talking Juventus Man City like basically every top team no top team has scored as many free kicks as just Lionel Messi has in the past like three seasons so that's just amazing that's incredible so he got two free kicks Usman Dembele got a goal as well and Suarez got a goal Suarez is injured now but I don't think they should have any issue with Messi being in the form that he is so let's see if Barcelona can stay at the top against Levante then we've got Real Valladolid against Atletico Madrid. Atletico Madrid defeated Alaves three goals to nil last week. And they're going to be looking to get another win and to still put on the pressure at the top of the table. They effectively knocked out Alaves from the top four and they are now sitting in third position in the league. Then Real Madrid versus Rayo Vallecano. Real Madrid are now in fourth position. They are going to be looking to bounce back from that dreadful loss against Cisco Moscow. But I think the last place Real Madrid players would want to be is in front of their home fans. I don't think their home fans have gotten that bitter taste out of their mouth from the loss that they had um, just yesterday. So if they don't want any more whistles from the crowd, they are going to have to put on a display. Because I don't think even a narrow 1-0 or 2-0 win is going to be enough to satisfy this hungry Bernabeu crowd. They're going to boo the hell out of their players if they don't like, get a 3-4 or 5-0 or win against Rayo but it is Rayo that they're playing and that's just the team that you want to be playing against if you want to ship in a lot of goals then lastly we've got Sevilla versus Girona Sevilla have now had 
two consecutive draws. They drew last week away from home against Valencia after drawing against Alaves. And they're back at home this time around. The last two matches were away from home. They're back at home and they're still in second place in the league. And they're going to be looking to get back to winning ways and continue their title challenge for the season. So hopefully they're able to get that win. Then Serie A, we've got Torino versus Juventus. It's going to be the Turin derby. I don't really know how competitive this derby has been in the past few weeks, but it could be tricky because they always say form goes out of the window in derby games. So I'm sure Torino are going to be looking forward to this match. They are hosting the match as well, so their fans are going to be geared up for the match. And Juventus just lost as well, so they they could be a little shaky. And we'll see if they are able to get anything out of Juventus. Then it's Inter Milan versus Udinese. Inter Milan just got knocked out of the Champions League and are going to be in the Europa League. So they need to put in a performance to also ensure that they stay in the top four. And they are currently battling Napoli for second place. I think that's the best they can do. And they're going to have to win this match if they want to continue that. Then we've got Cagliari versus Napoli. Last week, Napoli defeated Frosinone four goals to nil. A very beautiful match. A lot of great goals. And Napoli are going to be looking to do more of that. They are also going to be disappointed because they're going to be playing in the Europa League. So they need to put in a performance this time around. Then it's Bologna versus AC Milan. Milan are going to be looking to keep their place in the top four. The Bundesliga, we've got Borussia Dortmund versus Werder Bremen. Dortmund won the Riviera derby against Schalke last week, winning two goals to one. And they're going to be continuing to keep up with the form that they've had. They just topped the group in the Champions League, so they should just be on an absolute high right now. And yeah, hopefully they're able to get the win. And then Hanover at home against Bayern Munich. Bayern are definitely going to be looking to win this match and get a good run of form. Niko Kovac is still teetering on the edge. He could be sacked after any poor performance. So he's just going to be hoping that Bayern are able to have a turn in fortunes and get back to winning ways consistently, at least this time around. And Ligue 1, we've got PSG versus Dijon. PSG, probably another easy three points for them. And lastly, I'd like to talk about a few interesting news over the, over the week. First off, starting with Raheem Sterling and some issues, some claims of racist abuse against him during the match against Chelsea. So it appears that um, fans in the stadium were hurling insults at him when he went to get the ball for a corner kick. It seemed to be from Chelsea fans. They said some racial slurs at him. And it's really disappointing that we're in 2018 and this is still an issue in the world and still an issue in sports where politics, racism, anything apart from entertainment and sportsmanship have nothing, have no place in any sports, not least the biggest sports in the world, has no place in football. And it's really, really heartbreaking to see that this is still going on. 
Um, I really don't know what the solution is, honestly. It's a tough thing to battle, it seems. But some actions have to be taken. And Chelsea has taken actions. They have suspended four fans from attending any matches at Stamford Bridge, pending any further investigations. And then, in addition to that, Raheem Sterling went to Instagram to actually point out some inconsistencies in reporting when reporting black players against white or other um, or players of any other race or ethnicity. So he went on Instagram and basically showed two pictures of headlines involving two Manchester City um, young players, which are um, Tosin Adara Bioyo. He's a Nigerian English player playing for um, a, 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 an academy player for Manchester City and Phil Foden. We all know Phil Foden. He's, he's been a very exciting player to watch. Seems like one for the future. They both seem like they have a lot of potential, but that's not the issue here. So the issue is the Daily Mail had articles talking about the two of them, two separate articles. So the heading in Phil Foden's article was, oh, um, Manchester City Academy product Phil Foden purchases a, was it a two million pound mansion for his mother? And it seemed very positive. It was saying like, oh, it's a good thing that he's making enough for himself to be able to take care of his mom. And then for Tosin Adara Bioyo, he his own headline was Manchester City youngster who only makes, what is it, like £2,000 a week, buys a £2 million mansion for his mom. Basically saying, insinuating that this guy doesn't have his priorities right that he's just being a what do you, like like a, a careless spender spending money that he doesn't have and we all know if if you've looked at media coverage in the past and we've we've all known the stories of past um black celebrities athletes in the past who have gone bankrupt after making so much money in their prime and going bankrupt and this just seems to this headline just basically seems to be suggesting that he is going on that path as well so it's really a shame to see identical stories being reported in such biased manners and it was was just excellent that Raheem Sterling came out and pointed out these two inconsistencies saying that the media needs to to do a lot better in combating racism. I definitely agree with him. I stand by him 100%. I think racism has no place in football and the media should be the last people to be perpetrating these stereotypes that black and that black and other ethnic players and athletes have these stereotypes like they they just need to be gotten rid of but like i said it's a tricky topic it's very complicated to solve and i just wanted to yes just point it out it's it's really a shame that this goes still goes on in football i wish it didn't but it's the reality we live in i wish we could not even talk about these issues but the thing is, they happen, and if you just sweep them under under the rug, it's going to look like we are basically ignoring a very, very important topic. So kudos to Sterling, man. More power to him.
I'm happy that he also didn't even really talk about the abuse he faced from the Chelsea fans. He just said that he laughed and shrugged it off, which, which he clearly did. We've seen issues in the past with players like Balotelli and um, with Balotelli, with Kevin Prince Boateng, basically getting fed up and stopping play, walking out of the pitch because of racist abuse that they faced. I support these guys in doing that, but I definitely just tip my hat off to Sterling that he continued playing despite the hatred that he was getting. Sad to see and more strength to him. So another story involved Cristiano Ronaldo and he gave an interview to Gazeta de los Sports in which he said that he was basically challenging Messi to come out of his comfort zone and play in another league. He said that he that he Ronaldo that he's played in Portugal, in England, in Spain, and now in Italy. He continues to challenge himself to come out of his comfort zone and to show the world that he is the great player that he is. And he was saying that Messi should do the same to show doubters that he can also perform in other leagues and outside of the comfort zone of Barcelona, which has been the biggest criticism if if there can be any criticism of Messi. It has been that he's only played for one club and in the national team, he's not really performed to the levels that he has with Barcelona. And he also said that, but he respects Messi if Messi decides to stay, that he doesn't miss Messi. Or he doesn't know if Messi misses him, but he doesn't really like to be compared to Messi as well. Like he doesn't want to be compared to any player. He just does his thing. And he also, he also said that he was disappointed to not not to have won the Ballon d'Or. He said that he thought he deserved it, but that he would do everything in his power to win it next year. And then he, the most controversial thing he said was that Juventus is the best team he's played for because the players, all of them show humility as a group, that they are all happy for one another when they score. And he was like, unlike other teams where particular players are angry when other players score. And I don't think that was really classy from Ronaldo. I don't think he should say Juventus is the best team he has played for, considering how much history he has made with Real Madrid and how much history he also made with Manchester United. I think he should have just either avoided the question or just said he, like all the teams he's played for have been great and just basically talked about what is so great about Juventus. But it's not good to compare your team to your former teams. That's not classy at all. Uh, but yeah, the other things he said, it's up to you guys to judge. I mean, I don't think Messi needs to leave Barcelona to prove anything to anybody. But at the same time, I think the fact that Ronaldo has done it in all these leagues just shows, just basically gives him more, um, should give him more respect as a performer and as a footballer. I think it really says a lot about a player when he's willing to make changes. I mean, some some are arguing that Juventus is not really coming out of his comfort zone because he's basically assured to win the league because they've won seven the last seven league titles in a row. But we all know he came to win the Champions League. And that is where Juventus have not been so successful. So in that regard, I think he is coming out of his comfort zone. But it's all up to you guys to decide. And then lastly, Zlatan Ibrahimovic is not joining AC Milan after all. AC Milan have come out to say that they are not re-signing their former player. And I'm happy about this because I don't think 
he does any good going to AC Milan. I think he's just going to impede the progress of the younger players such as Quitrone. And also, I don't really see how he plays well with guys like Iguain on the team. So all in all, I think it's a good decision from AC Milan. Rather go and sign some other young player or even look at Morata. I mean, they should be looking to get Morata. He's out of favor with, with Chelsea. There are other strikers they can get. So that's good to hear. But yeah, that's all I've got for this week. As usual, I enjoyed talking to you guys about the game we all love. I'm looking forward to the weekend's fixtures and I will be back again next week. So to catch me on social media, on Twitter, I am at DKBalats, D-K-B-A-L-A-T. On Instagram, at DBalats, that's D-B-A-L-A-T. Thanks for listening, guys. I appreciate it. And I'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.